Welcome to the Military Bottom Line, where we help you make the most out of your military contract. Today on the show, I have Dan Gahan, my good friend from boot camp and beyond. Uh, he's done a lot of cool stuff in the military as a uh, C-130 crew chief traveling all around the world, and he's got a lot of good insight for those transitioning. Uh, if you guys have enjoyed these shows and these podcasts, I hope you guys would consider subscribing uh, and letting me know, if, actually, if you even want to be on uh, an episode. Look forward to uh, hearing from you guys and hope you enjoy the show. What's going on, Dan? Thanks for joining today. Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Doing good, man. I'm, uh, I'm stoked nice. to stoked to talk to you. It's been, I know it's been a little while, but uh, I know you've yeah, done, done some cool stuff in the in the Marine Corps and uh, kind of want to get a little background on your career. Okay, yeah. So I joined the Marine Corps, obviously. I actually went to boot camp with Jason. And a previous guest, Ethan. Sure did. Um, Rock it was just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Jason and I stole a uh, a pretty sweet mattress one time. They were like, "Get rid of all these old mattresses, and we're gonna get these really new, uncomfortable ones." And we just kept our old ones because they were nice and worn in, and they were cozy. So yeah, and they weren't wrapped in plastic for the bedwetters. Yeah, they <laughs> when you would roll over, they would crinkle. So we kept the good old ones. Yeah, good times. Um, yeah, so back in 2000, that was what, 2011, um, 2011 you, yeah. you stayed in for how long? I did a five-year contract, so I stayed, I got out in 2016. Gotcha. And you did a five-year because of your, your job required a, a, an additional year? Yep. So at the time, they were doing some streamlining and they were changing the way that my career path operated. So they added an additional year to the contracts because it was taking so long to get people to the schoolhouse. Gotcha. And what was your job? I was a C-130 crewmaster. Okay. What is what is that exactly for the layman? So a, a crewmaster, <laughs> basically C-130s used to have six or seven different positions. And the Marine Corps said, we don't need this many guys hanging around all the time. We're going to make it basically three positions. So you have pilot, co-pilot, crewmaster. So before there would be a flight engineer, a mechanic, a loadmaster, a crew chief. Um, and they got rid of all those and they made it one thing. So we were like watered down, terrible mechanics who could stack <laughs> things in the back of an airplane. Okay. And then when things broke or things went wrong, we were supposed to be able to kind of troubleshoot them and fix them and send that information back to whoever could fix it. Gotcha. Previously it was those people, but they got rid of that. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none, huh? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But somehow kept the planes in the air when they started leaking uh, whatever in the back. Oh, yeah, exactly. We at least could have figured out what it was leaking so we could call back to ground and be like, hey, this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so what did uh, what did your five years look like in that job? Was it uh, – I know you were out at Miramar in San Diego. Um, yeah. And I, and I know you did, did a couple of deployments. Um, so it basically took me two years to get to – the fleet to get to be in an operational status to get to do my job that I had signed up for. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of training, um, obviously boot camp MCT from MCT. We w went then to um, Pensacola, Florida for swim survival school. And that was an 18 day class. It took me six months to get through an 18 day class because six it was so backed months. up. Wow. So we were just there. What you, yeah. What do you do? What do you do? And tell people what you do uh, in the meantime. For you clean. <laughs> we cleaned <laughs> everything that we could clean. Like 
we would polish door kick plays. We would stand guard and we would watch people that were watching us. And it was basically like, <laughs> you stand on the left side of the hall, you stand on the right side of the hall, like make sure you don't fall asleep. Yeah. And you just, they would just give you jobs just, just to keep you busy. So not the was, highlight of your career. No, definitely not the <laughs> highlight. I mean, being in Pensacola was cool. It was a nice beach town. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, but not, not exactly a, a highlight in yeah. my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Okay. From, um, from there, they sent us up to Maine or yeah, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and then in Maine to do seer school. So we got to do actual seer school, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And tell, uh, tell people a little bit about seer. What, what is that? So seer stands for survive, evade, resist, escape. So the Marine Corps plan basically was they didn't send everyone to seer cause they couldn't. So they would send enough so that if uh, any plane went down, there was at least one crew member who had completed seer. And a lot of people didn't want to do it, but I was really looking forward to it. And luckily I was one of the people that got to go. So cool. it's a two week course. The first week they change it frequently, but the way I did it the first week was all classroom activity and they teach you some different things and some different tactics and what to say when you're captured and how to do it and how to survive. And then they take you out to their field school in the field school. You go through like fire starting skills and hunting and trapping skills. And then they, the way they did it for us was they were like, everybody gather around. We're going to do a really big class photo. So we're all standing there excited for the class photo. And then next thing, like flashbang grenades and smoke grenades start going off. And they're like, just kidding. You're being attacked. Like run in the woods. So you're okay. in a group of a few people and you run and run and run and you have an instructor and then you have to survive for three or four days, like in the woods. Mm. So I really liked it. That was a lot of skills. Like, you know, you go in thinking that kind of stuff, like carrying yeah. a knife in your teeth and I don't know, like survive, crawling <laughs> yeah. through the mud to survive, you know, like it's commercial stuff. stuff. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So, so I really like that. Well, I'm curious what, like what, you know, the breakdown of training, uh, how much time are they training you to actually like keep the plane in the air versus training you for, for crashes? <laughs> so the, like in a perfect world, Sierra school was two weeks water survival school was 18 days. So in a perfect world, I would have had both of those classes done in gotcha. less than a month. Okay. But just the way that backlog went and all kinds of stuff like that, they gave priority to Navy members because it was a Navy school. Mm. They gave priority reservists. So they basically weren't paying people who were on orders to just sit around. Yeah. So there was a backlog with that. And then after both of those schools, I went to Little Rock, Arkansas which is the C-130 capital of America. Hmm. And they just have a lot of C-130s. It's, I don't even know how many are on there, how many squadrons, but there's a ton. And they okay. have, they've got simulators on simulators. They've got like entire wings in classrooms and like engines in classrooms and whole fuselages. So you're just in a wow. giant warehouse filled with airplanes and you get to like take things apart and really get hands on. And, and a C-130 is like a, a medium-sized cargo plane basically right yeah it's yeah. um it can hold in the rear three humvees okay so like for some kind of scale you can do three humvees or one high mar i mean okay high mars are like a small fire truck i guess if you want to yeah cool that's that's but, a good explanation yeah um so i know you did at least one deployment right yep yeah, so i did i guess two 
Yeah. Because we were so mobile, because we were always like, I rarely spent seven days in a row in San Diego. We were always moving, always flying. So I did two full extended deployments that were both uh, 10 months and then 11 months long. And, but I've been to Afghanistan, like Iraq. We went to Africa a couple of times just on like short one week, two week, three week trips, just to, to bring supplies to people that were there to do different things. We do. Yeah. Um, I never got the opportunity to go, but the C-130 community does a ton of uh, mutual aid relief and stuff like that. Like, um, the tsunamis in Japan, there was a ton of C-130s out there doing mm. stuff like that. Mm. But is this, is this the kind of stuff that you hoped to get out of the military or, or what did you think you would be doing or, or hope to achieve while you were in the military? That wasn't it. That really wasn't it at all, honestly. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I kind of always wanted to join the military. Like from the time I was a real little kid, I really always looked forward to joining, you know, I'd, see people in parades, see the commercials. And I was like, I'm going to do that. People are like, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. It's like, no, I want to do that. Like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, as I started to do more research and I realized that like people would just hold like the Marine Corps with this higher guard mm-hmm. and I'd be like, I'm going to join the Marines. And they're like, no, those guys are not. It's like, you can't join the Marines. So I was like, you're like making me want to join even more. So I yeah. joined like thinking I was going to get a career out of it. Mm. thinking like four in the morning we'd wake up and run through barbed wire and crawl in mud and do all kinds <laughs> of like stuff like that and then this that was not what i really got my i stayed in a lot of five-star hotels i've traveled <laughs> i flew around the world twice like i've yeah. done a lot of cool things but waking up at four in the morning to crawl through barbed wire and mud was uh very limited no kidding so you had a uh a pretty glamorous uh time in the marine corps it sounds like compared to most yes absolutely yeah. the uh C-130 community is the best kept secret in my opinion. It's like, yeah, it's a great community. You fly all around the world. You're very uh, like mission driven, mission oriented. Like you have goals, you get things done. It's, it's not like some of the other jobs where you're just working for the sake of working. Like Mm. when you're at war, you're moving cargo, you're moving people, you're doing other things. And when you're not, you're doing the same things. Like, yeah the military's need to move things doesn't change. So you yeah. always have a job, but you're able to move on a smaller scale. So like, you know, is less bureaucracy to get you guys actually on the, on the move or, um, I mean, I feel like it I, takes a lot to get, you know, other parts of the military to actually move. And you're yeah. waiting. So I don't know the, I don't know where it trickles down, you know, yeah. like if the president needs to say something or if just some guy, who's a little higher up that went to college can be like, you want to, we need a C-130 out here ASAP. Like, yeah, yeah. But we definitely went to a lot of places and moved a lot of stuff. Yeah. So then after, I mean, five years of uh, the more glamorous side of, of the Marine Corps, um, why did you decide to, to move on? Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, my job used to be a couple different jobs and then I kind of got jammed into one. <clears throat> And I got kind of on the like crack end of that whip where it was like trying to jam a square peg in a round hole for so long. And yeah. I was like, I really enjoyed certain aspects of my job. Like, and I excelled at certain aspects, but there was a whole side that was very strict, very like, you need to see this gauge. You need to know what the operating temperature of this is supposed to be and what the PSI on this is supposed to be. And it was a yeah, ton sure. of memorization that just never really worked for me. 
So when people would point and say, why is this doing this? And I would kind of shrug and they didn't like <laughs> say, that answer. So let much. me fly. I don't want to yeah, exactly. do this part like, of it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to just, I really excelled at um, kind of the stuff in the back half of the plane. Like we did loading. I did, I was airdrop qualified. I was qualified to drop uh, battlefield illumination, which was pretty cool where we'd basically fly in circles around whatever battlefield or whatever area that we were using that night. And we would drop these pretty sizable, like 36 inch long flares. Hmm. And they provide a, um, it was like one square mile of light wow. at 9,000 feet. And they'd, wow. they'd light it up right as the sun. That's crazy. So when I guess I didn't up. know those were dropped from aircraft. Yeah. So we huh. would drop a lot of those. I got really good at it. We could drop them and time it just right. So you get like, two to go off and then you get four to go off so it'd be like a big smiley face in the sky no kidding that's yeah, awesome we get kind of in trouble for that a couple times but <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was cool yeah all right that's pretty rad um so i mean so you don't you don't do anything with aviation now right you're a no so one of the one of the things that i wish i had taken advantage of is there's so many opportunities for like technical training mm. Um, I feel like a lot of people always talk about, like, oh, you can take college classes. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Like, yeah. One of the reasons I joined the Marine Corps was because I didn't exactly feel that college was for me. Mm-hmm. So there, while there was so many opportunities to do college, I was like, this isn't really what I want. Yeah. But what I found was so many other opportunities. Like you could get your avionics licensed. You could get so much stuff. Like the more technical skills you can acquire like Mm -hmm. the better off you are and the more stuff that translate so i wasn't great at the mechanical side so i didn't really dive into that as much as i wish i had but i have so many friends that are out now that work on like airplanes of all sizes so what kind of advice i mean i imagine being on the road so much when you're saying you're you know you're only in garrison at uh, san diego for like seven days at a time um I mean, is it even is it even realistic to take advantage of those opportunities for for classes and gaining certificates? Some guys did, and like I had friends that did do it, and they were really struggling. They were like, yeah, laptops on the back of the plane, like racing to get to the hotel to turn the Wi-Fi on, and yeah, it was a lot harder. And I think that like a lot less people were able to do it, mm-hmm. but there was still a ton of opportunities. Like, yeah. I got, I was able to get a couple classes in, um, not college so much, but more like technical classes. Like I was able to get like airdrop qualified and mm-hmm. like some other qualifications that were super cool in the Marine Corps, but really don't translate to anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's kind of one of the good and bad things about the military is that there's so many things you can learn. There's so many things you can see. But really, if you don't have a plan on how you're going to get out, mm. there's only so few of those things that are going to translate to the civilian side. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, would, I would totally agree. I mean, at what point in your contract did you kind of decide like, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to get out and now I need to start planning for, for that? So I went in thinking that I was going to make a career of the military. I got a five-year contract. I said, whatever, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever 30 years this is this is going to be my life i'm excited to do it yeah um i went in with that mindset but still 
I had an account set up. So the day that I graduated boot camp, I started putting money aside. So when I got out, nice. I had like my backup plan was that I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail. I was going to hike from Georgia to Maine. I was going to do it. On so your exit of the military? Yep. That was my backup plan. I was like, if cool. the Marine Corps doesn't work out, I'm going to hike. Uh. And so mm-hmm. I started saving day one, started putting money away every month. And it, it changed like some times in my career. I was able to put more, sometimes less. Yeah. But really, um, the more I went on, probably my third year. So I had been in like active duty in an operational status for like a year. And that's when I realized this isn't for me. I'm not going to make a career out of this. Hmm. But I was fortunate that I kind of had that backup plan. I already yeah. had like a small sum of money growing. Yeah. So I just continued to grow that. How did you, I mean, most people wouldn't think of that, you know, that early on. They would just, they would, you know, have all their money in one account and they would just go spend frivolously. Uh, so, I mean, how did you have that idea so early on? That That's just something that I've always done. Like mm-hmm. if I have $20, I'm going to spend $20. Yeah. But if I put 10 in one account and I just know mentally that I can't touch that account, yeah. Then I only have 10, you know. There's there's another 10 that I don't see kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So that was really something that I I still do to this day. Like I need a new roof in my house. So mm-hmm. every check I put away money towards that because yeah. not that I'm not a good saver, but like I look at my account and it's like, "Oh, cool, a couple grand." Like, yeah. That's a couple grand to do something with versus money set aside money earmarked for a certain thing mm-hmm. is what I'm going to spend that money on. Yeah. So it's a very, very realistic and, and pretty simple like saving strategy to ensure that you're, you're planning for the future. Yeah. And I have yeah. um, the Navy fed app. You can change the name yeah. of the account on the app. So I have like roof fund. Huh. So nice. every day I can look and know like this is money for my roof. This is money for my roof. Like, yeah. Apps have never made it, you know, any more simple or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Adult, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Couldn't be any easier. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. All right. So then as you transitioned out, um, I mean, I know that that's, that can be difficult for a lot of people. Um, and I mean, you, so you had about two years, three years or so uh, where you were planning on it and you were expecting it. Um, yep. How did that transition go? And like, you know, what kind of advice for people, Uh, would you give that are preparing for that? So as I started planning on getting out, I started looking at college. I started, again, I found myself in the same position I was in in high school where like, what am I going to do? College Mm -hmm. isn't really high on my list of things that I want to do. So what kind of career field can I get in and how can I translate any of the skills that I got in the military? Yeah. So I looked into, um, going back to be a SEER school instructor because I actually enjoyed it so much. So as a civilian? That's what I tried to do it as a civilian, but okay. what I ran into was that you have to be trained through the military and then you can stay on basically indefinitely as a civilian. Gotcha. But I ran into the hiccup of with my deployment schedule, it, like transferring over to SEER school wasn't as easy as like a lap move elsewhere. Yeah. There was like a interview process and other things like that. And, as prepared as I was, life kind of just got in the way and my ducks didn't line up and I wasn't able to yep. take advantage of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that went by the wayside. So I started looking for other things. I was looking to going back to school to become a wildland firefighter. And then I noticed that 
you didn't need a degree to be a wildland firefighter. So I was like, why am I going to go back to school and not, not waste the GI bill, but spend it on something that it's not required to do. So yeah, I ended up looking into that and then kind of realized like that's mostly a part-time job and that didn't work out for me. Um, and then I actually settled on kind of moving home and becoming a regular firefighter. Cool. So in Massachusetts, we have a system called the civil service where it's kind of prevent nepotism. It's supposed to do other things, but one of the things it does is it gives preference to veterans and it gives mm-hmm. even more preference to disabled veterans. So having that military background, having just, just because I was in the military, like unrelated to my job, I was able to get in, take an exam yep. and kind of have preference to get the, the job that I got. Nice. So like not something that I would have ever imagined at the beginning of my career that just being a vet would help me. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it has so much kind of uh, unspoken, unspoken benefits that you kind of have to dig for a little bit. Yeah. And really I've found more benefits post Marine Corps than I have while in the Marine Corps. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't, they don't do a great job at telling you about all the opportunities until the end. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Then, you know, um, which I don't quite understand, but um, when I was getting out, I, was having like a lot of questions. I was trying to figure stuff out and I was like, it's so hard to get out because anyone who's good at getting out has already gotten out. Like all your master guns, all your staff sergeants, anybody that you would normally go to, to ask questions. Yeah. They've never gotten out. So they don't know what the process is. Yeah, for sure. But one, one thing that I was extremely impressed with and still am impressed with is the flexibility of the GI bill. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows like, Oh yeah, GI bill is free college. GI bill is free college. But, like I said, college isn't for everybody. The GI Bill is so much more in trade schools and stuff like that. Like with the GI Bill, you can get your tools paid for if you went to be a motorcycle technician. Okay. There's a stipend in the GI Bill that will pay for your tools. If you go to be an airplane mechanic, hmm. you'll get a whole set of tools. Like guys are, I, I know some people have gotten thousands of dollars in tools. Wow. Like instead of like getting books, instead of getting whatever, you get they take care the GI bill takes care of your schooling. Hmm. So I went through the firefighter Academy and that was considered schooling. So while I was at the firefighting Academy, I was getting paid both BAH and whatever the other stipends. I got a book stipend. I got all that stuff just Hmm. for being at the firefighter Academy for doing, for doing my job, for going to the school that the fire department said I had to go to. Wow. So I was like not double dipping, but, I was being paid stipends for the firefighting Academy and as well as, excuse me, and as well as getting paid from the fire department. No kidding. So yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. So, you know, a lot of people feel kind of pigeonholed after, after the military to maybe go to college because that's what the GI bill is for, but um, they maybe don't think about the other opportunities of kind of still non-traditional education um, Mm -hmm. that they can still use the GI bill for and, and still kind of use the uh, the benefits to live off of. Right now, I'm in a um, I I don't know the name of the program, but the <laughs> GI the GI Bill offers um, the GI Bill offers a scaled monthly stipend for skilled labor. So <laughs> if you are an apprentice in a skilled labor job, you start off with eighty percent of the GI Bill for six months, and then it drops twenty percent every six months until the GI Bill runs out. Interesting. So, Right now, as a firefighter, the 
GI Bill has deemed that firefighting is a skilled labor position. So right now I'm an apprentice. So, so I you're in, in like a student status kind of thing where you can take advantage of it. Exactly. So I do a couple extra classes. I do a couple extra training sessions a month. And that qualifies me as being a, a skilled laborer in an apprentice status. Awesome. So the GI Bill is paying me to get better at the job I currently have. Yeah. And it's only going to benefit you in your career. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, and then from there, it opens up more leadership opportunities for me and more stuff yeah. like that. And those are the yeah. kind of things that like you don't see on the commercials. Those are the things that your recruiters don't know. Yeah, for those sure. Those are the things that are like so hard to figure out until you kind of pinball your way into that little niche. And then you yeah. talk to the vet next to you and he goes, Hey man, you know, you can get paid for doing this. And you really like, I get paid for doing my job. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. I know you also took advantage on your tr transition um, because you were gone so much. Uh, you were able to like, accumulate a, a pretty good sum of vacation time or, or leave time towards the end of your contract. Yep. So the way that it was always told to me was that Congress says that we have to earn 15 days of leave a year, or I think that's what it is, but was it 15 or is it 30 or how many days of leave do you get a year? We got 30. Yeah. 30. Okay. Yeah. So my apologies. <laughs> I didn't, I never took them. So I don't know. <laughs> so whatever. Congress says you have to get 30 days of leave a year, but the Marine Corps says you don't have to take those days. Yeah. So I was, very busy and gone a lot and never really given a ton of opportunity to take vacation days. And at first that really bummed me out. Cause it was like, I want to go home. I want to do things. I'm sick of being here every week. Like I'm sick of traveling the world as lame as that sounds, <laughs> but yeah, it worked out in the end because I was able to take almost 40 days of terminal leave. Hmm. So I checked out 40 days early and was able to leave, um, like, I don't know what 40 days is. No one calculate this. Don't make me look like a liar, but I was able to leave early November instead yeah. of leaving January 1st. Like yeah. I was supposed to. So basically so, the, the end of your contract just gets moved up 40 days. Yep. So the, uh, I left whatever 40 days before I was supposed to. And for the next 40 days, I lived in a camper and drove cross country and I still got paid the first and 15th of those months. Yeah. So I was still, still covered still under medical, paycheck, and... still covered medical, everything yeah. was still technically active duty. Yeah. We were stopping in bases to get cheaper gas and cheaper groceries. And mm -hmm. really all you're just, you're just taking a vacation that you don't have to come back from. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty, it's a pretty unreal feeling. It's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people talk about trying to take like mini retirements throughout their life and uh, terminal leave is, has got to be, one of the the best opportunities to do that at, at an early age. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like when am I going to get another chance to take 40 days of paid time off again? Yeah. Like, I, I won't, I wouldn't. <clears throat> yeah. And it was, it was so great. Like one of the other things that I actually thought was a great benefit was um, when you get out or when you move from one base to another base, you can do two types of move. You can do a TDY move or you can do a Diddy move. A TDY move, basically a company will come in and they'll pack up everything in your room. Mm -hmm. They'll send it to whatever base you're going to. The military will give you the cheapest flight they can find and they'll send you out there. And then 10 days later, you're at your new home. Nothing changed. The company will come unpack all your stuff. Everything will look exactly the same. Yeah. Or you can do a Diddy move. 
where based off different charts and different times for how long you've been there, the military will pay you to move your stuff. So basically I lived in, I was stationed in San Diego and my home on record was Massachusetts. So basically about as far as you can be in the lower 48. So they said, do you want us to give you a plane ticket and you can go home or do you want to do it yourself? And I'd already known that I wanted to drive cross country because I had 40 days of terminal leave. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah, I'm going to move my own stuff. So I bought a trailer put it all in boxes, wrapped it all up in tarps, had it weighed. And based off the amount of miles that I had to drive and the amount of stuff that I had, the Marine Corps said, okay, here's a check for eight grand. Go. No kidding. They, they figure it out. Like if a moving company had moved my stuff, it would have cost X amount of dollars. So they give you, I believe 80% of what they would have paid the moving company. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going that way anyway. Mm-hmm. I might as well get a check. So not only did I get paid for my 40-day trip, I got home and then there was a fat check waiting for me in the mail. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So like I had that opportunity because I took because I had started saving so early because I was planning for that hiking trip that never happened. I used it on a 40-day cross-country ski trip. Yeah. So like yeah. because I had so many guys were getting out and like having to go right into minimum wage jobs because mm. they couldn't couldn't do anything. But because I had yeah some money saved and because I had that terminal leave saved, I was able to yeah kind of do the trip of a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. E- even just like you know a, a baseline uh, level of preparing for getting out. You know, like I mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people immediately to some job that they hate and then they quickly realize that they done messed up and they should have stayed in. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You have to take a class in order to get out of the Marine Corps. It's changed its names a few times, but I would recommend that you take that class as soon as you can, because really yeah. there's so many opportunities in there that you're just like, I've been in the Marine Corps for five years. Why is this the first I'm hearing yeah. of these things? And, and I know uh, when I transitioned that you were able to take it as early as one year out from your end of contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would, I would highly recommend the same thing. Like I, I remember they, fa- I found out some like family services where you could go take a test and they break it down and say, this is what you're good at. And this is what you like. And these are careers kind of that mesh with that. Um, yeah. Like I had no idea that existed and that I could get counseling on, on different career opportunities. There's a website too. Like you can type in your job, you type in your military numbers. Like I was 8972. That was my MOS mm-hmm. type it in. And then it comes up with a whole list of jobs that, hmm. that you could go to that like relate to your job. Gotcha. So, so like, yeah, I, I had a ton kinda. of aviation related jobs and like, not only did the jobs pop up, but they were like, Oh, this is a contact. This is a air force first sergeant. Who's a contact on like, I had a lot of aviation. So it was like at this, um, airport, you can talk to this guy. Wow. Like not only were they giving you jobs, they were giving you contacts. Like, go talk to Joe. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, I know Joe. You know, like, oh, Joe's a cool old buddy of mine. Like, and then you start talking. And it's usually like seven degrees of separation. You know, like, yeah, for the sure. There's a small community. You have to take advantage. A lot of it is uh, who you know, not what you know. So, like, absolutely, make friends, I'll, network. I'll have to find find that website and uh, and put it in the description and door show notes if anybody wants to look at it. But um, yeah. I, I hadn't, I hadn't actually known about that site. So that's, that's good to know also. 
I I know I took a bunch of notes during that class. I gotta if I can track down my notebook, <laughs> I'll say I'll try to find the links for you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, man. I mean, so you've definitely done a lot and um you've already recommended quite a few things, but um any any, you know, do you have any regrets with your career or or do you regret joining as a whole? Um I definitely don't regret joining. I'm very glad I joined. And the career path that I got, I really fell into. I went into the recruiter's office and said, I want these three jobs. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay. And then a month later, he was like, yeah, you didn't get any of those jobs. You got military <laughs> police. I was like, well, I don't want military police. And he's like, okay, whatever, pound sand. So I was like, well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I want to <laughs> be in the Marine Corps. I want to be a Marine. Like, I don't want to be military police. Yeah. And it ended up working out. Like I said, I went to boot camp with Ethan, one of your previous guests. Mm-hmm. He was dying to be military police. So we had actually had very similar physical scores and mental scores. So I looked at him and I was like, I'll give you my contract. Like, what do you have? He's like, oh, I got some stupid flying thing. I don't want to fly. And no I like, way. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll fly. Like, I don't want to be a cop. So I, like, I had no idea. Yeah. So it really worked out because, I mean, he was so stoked. He wanted military police. And I was like, I don't want this. And then they're like, you want to fly? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to fly. Who did you have to talk to? I mean, I, I didn't I didn't even think that that would be an opportunity to switch contracts like that. So the way we were told is because our scores were almost identical, our boot camp date was identical. Mm-hmm. We were we came from the same recruiting station. So we didn't change any of the quotas. Hmm. It wasn't like I was here on this side of the country and someone else was there. Like that recruiting station was given a quota. They need one helicopter door gunner and one military police officer. They just changed names on the, on the form, yeah. huh? Wow. Yeah. S- simple as that. Yeah. And then because I wore glasses at the time, I couldn't be a helicopter door gunner. So mm. I was a little disappointed at that, but <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, oh, it worked out spectacularly. I, I love the C-130 community. Yeah. I have a friend that's going through pilot school right now, and I just recommend all the time, like, get C-130s, get yeah. C-130s. It's like, yeah. the fighter jets are so cool, man. It's like, no, C-130s are way cooler. So I, I know uh, I know we've talked about it, but I, I know that the quality of life difference between C-130s and, you know, a helicopter or a fighter is, uh, is significantly different. I mean, you're talking about, you mentioned staying in five-star hotels and traveling the world and, you know. So one of the, like, not like a terrible thing, but something that I wouldn't want to do as kind of a rotary wing or a V-22 guy would be be attached to the MU. Because now you're on a Navy ship. What is MU? What's that? What's a MU for the layman? Uh, uh, MU is a Marine Corps expeditionary unit. Yeah. It's It's a giant boat that this basically one or two of them at all times and they're floating around the world and they call it the nation's 911 force. So mm-hmm. within 24 hours, the boat can be anywhere in the world. So you basically have an entire Marine Corps at your fingertips within 24 hours. So you have helicopters, infantry, um, like engineers, reconnaissance, everybody's on this boat. Everybody's ready to go. So helicopters can't fly very far. So they are stationed on the boat. So, it's an aircraft carrier or whatever, and they're on the boat. So if you're out at sea, you're not allowed on the top deck because things are moving, people are moving, it's not safe. So you're on the boat, which is not 
something that I really ever wanted to do. But yeah, in a, a tin C-130. can for months. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The benefit of a C-130 is it's attached to the Mew, but it's too big to fit on the boat. Hmm. So when the boat flies to different sections of the world or sails to different sections of the world, we do too, but from one hotel to the next hotel to the next hotel. <laughs> yeah. So n- not only are we not in a tin can at sea, there's only five of us and we're in a hotel just and hanging out. I'm sure you're getting there way faster than the boat is. So you got a couple of days to camp out and wait on them until they catch up or. Yeah. Some days, sometimes we'd get there a week in advance. Sometimes we'd stay a week late, like yeah. depending on our maintenance schedule, depending on whatever, but mm-hmm. not being on the boat was always something that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I feel like the boat is one of those things where, um, you know, maybe it's a good memory, but it wasn't fun at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so looking back on it, you remember the good stuff and the camaraderie and yeah. how cool it was that there was a rack mate this close to you, but <laughs> yep. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I, I've heard that time and again that the, uh, the larger airframes and aircraft provide, uh, a better, better lifestyle. So yeah, for those interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as appealing as it is to be the super cool guy that hangs out the back of the helicopter and shoots. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did a combat deployment and we were getting shot at way more than the helicopters were because we were, I don't know, slower and bigger and they knew yeah. they could try to hit us and we couldn't shoot back. Yeah. You guys are pretty obvious up there. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of good advice and a lot of, a lot of uh, wisdom speaking from experience. So, um, would you recommend to the military or even the Marine Corps to, to anybody that was considering it? I would, but not with um, the naivete that I had. Mm. I would really recommend that you have a plan and you have a backup plan. There's so many opportunities. Like like I said, if college isn't your thing, there's so many opportunities. that In the Air Force, they have electricians, plumbers, stuff like that. So you can yeah. go in, work your five years, and then get out as a master electrician. Yeah. You know, and then that is your career field. So instead of doing five years as an apprentice, working some lowly job, you're doing five years in the air force. And instead of changing light bulbs in some city, you're setting up entire generator units like in Africa or like in Iraq doing things. You're not, you're not on the stereotypical like pathway. Yeah. Like I really, went in looking for one thing and kind of just blindly fell into a whole different path and it worked out great for me. But yeah, there's so many people I've talked to that went in blind and just did not end up where they want, did not get what they wanted. And they got out of the military with a sour taste in their mouth because for sure they did nothing to better their situation. Yeah. You have to keep your eyes open. You have to look for ways to better yourself. Like the military is not for you. Okay. Do something about it. Mm-hmm. take classes, learn, take is advantage it, of it. Is it that easy? I mean, I, I like to say like go in, uh, you know, educated on what you want to do and, and, and push to get where you want to go. It, but it, for, for those that haven't lived it, um, you know, I, I think it's relatively easy to kind of direct your career, but a lot of people would say like, Oh, the, the military is going to do with you what they want. And like, I don't know. What, what would you say to say to that? Do you, do you feel like it is realistic to be able to direct your career where you want it? In some jobs, yes. Um, some jobs, no. 
but when the military says you can't do this, you can't do that, that's when you need to start looking outside. Like, okay, the military won't let you take this class. Yeah. Can you spend $500 of your own money and mm-hmm. take it outside? You know, like they, they have limited control on your free time. Yeah. Like sure. we were, like I said, I flew a lot. I did a lot of stuff. So um, at one point, corporal's course was required to pick up sergeant and I was past due to pick up sergeant, but I couldn't take corporal's course cause I was just so busy flying all the time. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely one of the instances where getting the classes that I needed to progress was extremely difficult. Like I was one of the, I excelled at what I was doing and I was one of the few people that had the qualifications I had. So that was an example of the military doing what they wanted with me, like yeah. at no benefit to me, only benefit to them they were kind of like you're gonna go on this flight you're gonna go do this you're gonna do this and i was like but in order to get promoted i need that and they were like yeah well, we can't do anything about it so yeah you need to do this you need to do this so yeah yeah their your promotions definitely um could take a backseat but it's it's still up to up to the individual to to mm-hmm. do what has to be done in order mm-hmm. to to promote and succeed for sure right. that's awesome Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, you sharing your story and, and your insight and kind of giving some of your, your wisdom to hopefully uh, positively impact uh, anybody who might listen. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like I just was trying to cover so much stuff all at once that if anybody has any questions with more specifics, like anything that I could be assisting, like please uh, reach out to me. Jason awesome. has my contact. Um, I'd love cool. to answer any specific questions that people have. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll link your social in the in the description and my social security notes. number. <laughs> <laughs> no, your social media. <laughs> but you know, maybe I'll throw your social security number up there too. <laughs> yeah, sweet. You know, let them just take my identity all at once. It's already out there. I'm sure the Marine Corps lost it a time or two. <laughs> oh, they have. I got the letter in the mail. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did. <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate it. Good to see you. All right, see you later.